0: about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us talking, get us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Are you looking for a really good book to read? Sometimes when fall comes around and we're getting ready for the the winter season, we look for good books that take us on an adventure. I have to tell you, the book that I have just finished reading, I absolutely adore, and I want you all to consider going out and buying it or uh, going to the website, which I'll give you in just a moment, uh, and ordering it. Uh, the name of the book is The Dark Side of the Sun. It's a an, an historical novel and this is the first work of Michael B. Dardis, but I have a feeling that we're going to have quite a few books that come out after this that will continue on a series of this, um, this book that has a really rare way of mm. looking at place and history. There's a sense of it being a bit of a detective novel because there's a mystery that goes throughout. It's also a book about relationships and connections and a search for self. So I am very excited to have Michael Dardis, the author of this book, join us today. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, Lori, thank you for having me. I appreciate those very fine comments you've made on the book.
0: Well, I'm excited about our chance to share on air. We've had uh, an opportunity to be talking about the book uh, for the last couple days, and it's been a real joy to hear a little bit more of the backstory, and I'm looking forward to having our audience learn more about the backstory, as well as getting excited about going out and buying this book. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um, a snippet of what the book is described as. It's during the course of two wars, and the two wars are Vietnam and World War II, Brave people fight through the darkness to discover that where love, that that where there is hope and courage, there is also honor and love. Living in Detroit during the Great Depression, the Schmidt family struggles to maintain loyalty to their adopted country while being drawn into the seductive, seductive shadow of the Nazi Germany. One by one... They are at the center of a top secret plot that could change the course of World War II. Years later, two young Vietnam veterans, William and O'Brien and Susan Johnson, try to find love and build a family while they struggle with the traumas that they both suffered during the war. These stories lead the reader to Michigan, Germany, battlefields of South Vietnam, Texas, Oklahoma, and finally Minnesota. I have to say that I was very endeared to seeing all sorts of familiar places in Minnesota come up in your novel. So, for more information on how to get this book, uh, I want you to go to micheldardis.com backslash books. That's M I C H E, it's M I C H A E L <laughs> dartis D A R D I S dot com books. Uh, So this you have called and shared with me is a historical novel. Tell me um, how fictional history can bring around a a deep sense of truth about a a time and a place.
1: Well, historical fiction is a a great literary tool. It allows you to uh, take a character, build characters, strengthen characters, uh, going back uh, and looking at the wonderful options that could have happened along with some of the terrible things that, were, that did happen. Mm-hmm. But you have to pay attention to the time and place. And it gives you that. It's like a, a mental time machine, going back and forth with that, with that process. Uh, it, it allows you just your mind to travel through those times, whether it's 50 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or whatever. But it allows you to build that, that wonderful synergy around the characters and what it was like to live in that period.
0: What I find, um, what I found very <clears throat> interesting, and that pulled me in, was how the sense of place can change its meaning during different times, and that that place, even though it has an endurance and it has a, a sense of its own truth of being a place of of, of a type of beauty, also can have its uh, activities that can both endear and and uh, engender fear. So I want to start off with you telling a little bit about this cabin up in uh, Michigan and perhaps sharing one of the pieces in, in how you bring us into this cabin uh, and this reality of this, this place up in the Upper Peninsula of
1: Michigan. Would you like me just to read the segment? Certainly, and then tell me a little bit about sure. it. This is the segment uh, in the prelo- prologue <clears throat> relative to the, to the story. Suddenly... A splash of water scattered the hatchlings, and the last duckling in line disappeared under the water. A lake trout cruising the shallows was also intent on tending to its survival needs. The great circle of life was so much a part of the culture in the Huron Mountain region of Michigan, many dangers lurked in the woods and under the cold waters. Bill sipped his coffee, coffee inattentively, a dribble seeped down his chin to his well-worn, olive drab shirt. As he, brushed, as he brushed the fabric, he noted the name, Stitch on the Pocket, O'Brien. Despite the comfort of the fire, the ache in his leg reminded him of the sudden cold darkness that had entered his life, like the solar eclipse that he had studied in the history classes at the University of Minnesota. Ancient Greeks believed that eclipses occurred when the gods were angry and ready to met out disaster and destruction. Bill certainly had seen his share of disaster and destruction, but he believed the real meaning was to cast out falsehoods and replace them with truth. The cabin we're referring to uh, uh, is actually our cabin in Michigan, but it's also the scene of good part of the story for many of the characters uh, in that general area of the upper peninsula of Michigan.
0: A lot of people don't know how important that area is and was during World War II.
1: Well, it was a, a, basically a full point, full, uh, basically a, a choke point for iron ore shipments for about 90% of the iron ore coming through into the United States uh, to the, the southern part of the United States for uh, making steel. And uh, that, that came through the Sioux Locks, at Sioux St. Marie.
0: And uh, folks knew about this, and they knew that this was a place that could be a vulnerability
1: for the U.S. It was uh, the most heavily defended a site in North America, inland, uh, uh, in the entire United States at the time.
0: Well, as you start to read this book and you you have um, Bill O'Brien sipping his Jameson coffee and sitting by the fire, you feel like you're joining him right by the fire and hearing about this wonderful story. Soon into the story, you discover uh, that Bill loses uh, his family.
1: Bill lost his family when he was uh, 17 years old to an air crash. Uh, His father, his mother, his younger sister and younger brother were killed in an airplane crash uh, in Colorado.
0: And you also have this take place on a hobby farm in Minnesota. And that sense of farm and that sense of place, I think resonates with a lot of Minnesotans.
1: Yes, he had a small hobby farm up in Anoka, that was uh, settled there. His father had come, uh, his mother and father had come from Detroit, where they initially had settled. Uh, he was born actually in Detroit. And so they were enjoying living in the farm and raising and have a garden and small animals, horses and cattle and so forth. But with the death of his parents, that all went away. It was all taken away from him.
0: And when it was all taken away, it seems to be the thrust that then takes place for the rest of the novel, novel of finding connections finding connections for himself, being alone, um, not having family. What does that mean? Where do you go? And depending on yourself.
1: Yes, he was on his own. Uh, he had only himself to depend on at that point. He did help for, have help from a, a distant cousin that took him in for a year or two. But he went to the university, worked his way through, um, and had hoped that he could marry somebody that he met there. Uh, But he joined the Army Reserve, basically the Army ROTC there to help pay for his bills. And, of course, at that time, Vietnam was heating up. So that took him away.
0: Something else that I love about your book, and I've described it to you and to others, is it feels like a crossword narrative. So there's the narrative that you learn about Bill and his family, and there's the narrative that you learn about his time in Vietnam, But then there's a whole new narrative that pops up, a whole new line in a crossword puzzle that has a mystery to itself, in and of itself, about World War II. And one of the metaphors that keeps it all together is aviation, an airplane. Everybody has a connection to an airplane. And I'd love to have you share why the airplane you felt was so important as being that metaphor that connected
1: everyone. Well, looking at the the entire story, uh, it's about six families over 40 years. A good part of the time is the German families out of Detroit. Aviation at the time in the 1930s, when these uh, gentlemen were growing up, was the equivalent to the electronic age now. And it was was something everybody wanted to be involved with if they could. They all went through a formal academic training in uh, aerospace, or I should say in aeronautics at... Purdue, and at the Michigan, and the University of Minnesota to become experts in that. Plus, they flew everything that they could fly. And so they built a great amount, of, uh, great amount of experience in that area.
0: So they, you know, they had
1: tremendous, tremendous background.
0: Well, we were talking about the barn. Uh, what is it, the barn, swa- barn stormers barn that would Stormer. come through? That excitement. Sure. My father was all caught up in it. He became a pilot. So I have special interest, in, and and um, it, it it particularly played uh, to my heart uh, to see as much as you did to create that that enthusiasm that really led to the aerospace industry. Yes, uh, and and interesting things that came out of that. So now. I know you all are interested, so you need to go to michaeldardis.com backslash books. Uh, He also not only talks about his book, but he talks about some of the history that is important to understand. So it is a place to learn as well as a, a place to enjoy the adventure. So we'll be right back after some commercials and learn more about this amazing book. It's called The Dark Side of the Sun by Michael B. Dardis. Stay with us. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. In this week's show, we will be talking about ways to de-stress your life, from techniques to therapies to breathing exercises. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life.
2: Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at the Healthy Sports Center. Featuring up to 150 home improvement companies, giveaways, and more. It's the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at the Healthy Sports Center. See it all at expoguys.com. That's expoguys.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambott from Shambot Family Dentistry, where the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth call today we're open early and
1: late and saturdays to fit your schedule as my daughter rachel says
2: if you don't see my dad please see another dentist take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get call 1-800 fix my teeth or visit fixmyteeth.us. this is new beginnings hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker freddie bell freddie this generation of the baby boomers people are living longer so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch new beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
0: Park Square Theatre invites you to The Agitators, a new play telling of the surprisingly timely story of the friendship between Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass. Young abolitionists, when they met in the 1840s, they were full of hopes, dreams, and common purpose. Great allies? Yes and at times, great adversaries. They agitated the nation, they agitated each other, and in doing so, they changed the course of American history. On stage at Park Square Theater, now through October 28th. Check out parksquaretheater.org. That's parksquaretheater.org.
2: Join over 300,000 Minnesota families by choosing Warner-Stellion to be your appliance specialist. Our customers have helped us be very good at selling, installing, and servicing appliances. We work hard to earn your business. Choose Warner-Stellion to be your appliance specialist.
0: Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and today we are talking about a new novel that's just come out, The Dark Side of the Sun by Michael B. Dardis. Uh, This is a a historical fiction and it has uh, an adventure for all, uh, learning about the Vietnam War, learning about World War II. I have to say that when I was going through the chapters of Vietnam, it was one of the most personal uh, reflections that I've ever read. Uh, there's a lot of silence, there's a lot of pain around Vietnam. But we don't always uh, have the opportunity to get really in touch with what were the feelings around Vietnam, because when the Vietnam vets came home, they were not uh, they were not greeted with the kindness and the support and the love that they should have been uh, met with. So in in this section, we're going to be talking about that period in the book. Also, I want to uh, be able to get you all interested in taking a look at his website, not only to buy his book, but he's got some historical references as part of his website that helps Us understand. So, the journey of the book not only is a good narrative and a story; it helps us understand history in a very poignant way. So, welcome, Michael. I'm so glad that you're here today.
1: Thank you, Laurie. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, I also want to share a little bit about your uh, your background. Uh, You are a lifelong storyteller, a world traveler. Uh, You specialize in 20th century European history, American history, military history. Uh, you d- received your degree of um, in at the University of Minnesota in history and geography. Uh, you went into the army during the Vietnam War, and you were awarded uh, a Purple Heart as well as the U.S. Army Commendation Medal for Valor. So you lived this, and mm-hmm. part of uh, Vietnam that I think goes unheard is not only the time there, but the time back. And in your book, you explore not only the trauma that occurred, uh, but also the journey back and the journey of discovery of who you are after world after the Vietnam War. Would you share with us uh, a, a part of the writing um, about Bill and Bill coming back from
1: Vietnam? Yes, Laurie, I have a section here in the book. That I think is a pretty profound in that regard. <clears throat> Bill glanced out the window again to the eternal darkness. He's on the aircraft returning back from uh, Vietnam at this point. He's going to be landing in San Francisco probably in less than 20 hours. <clears throat> at least his dad had, won, had something to bring home. They had won the war. His dad won. They all won. Uh, they came back to parades and flag waving. What was Bill going? Uh, what was Bill bringing home? There would be no parades for him. There would be no welcome home for him. He knew that for a fact. He leaned his head against the seat. In less than a day, he would be back in a society that was little touched by the war. The people in America were light years away from the dirt, the heat, the violence, the terror, and the death in Vietnam. The protesters had no clue what was happening over there. Neither did the general population. He sighed heavily. Bill was bringing back the only thing that mattered to him. He was bringing back himself. And I think the difference between Vietnam and the other wars, the other wars had other people coming back with them on their ships or when they came home, they were greeted. The Vietnam veteran had none of that. Uh, even the veterans agencies, veterans' groups didn't really want a lot of the vets, Vietnam vets. They hadn't won anything. Uh, there were reports even you couldn't buy a bar, drink at a bar in some cases if they knew you were a Vietnam veteran.
0: And even some of the, like Agent Orange couldn't be said out loud. It was That didn't exist. So there was almost a denial of reality.
1: It was the early stages of Viet, the Agent Orange really didn't become a... An issue until in the latter part of the 60s, early 70s, when they started identifying it as a potential toxin. Uh, And it took 20 years to get anything passed uh, to identify uh, the certain diseases and so forth.
0: When Bill goes to Vietnam and is thrust into the war, uh, you talk a little bit about the back of the flags and the front flags being a little different, uh, and that shock I mean, that was part of, I think, my journey of realization of how quickly people were thrust into horrific situations.
1: You have to remember, uh, when he went, and a lot of people went, uh, it was winter in, in the United States. Uh, they arrived in Vietnam during the summer, the summer season. They opened the door up. The humidity was 90 100%. The smell of burning feces. They burned feces with diesel fuel. As a way to get rid of it, uh, jet fuel, aviation uh, kerosene was burning. The smells were overcome, were, were basically overwhelming, uh, and the heat and so forth. And most GIs were sick for days after they got there, uh, with diarrhea and other things, trying to get their systems to adjust to the the harsh environment, the dirty environment, uh, depending upon where they were. So it was very very hard uh, initial orientation and. During the Tet Offensive, they had even less time. They're almost some of them almost had a fight when they got off the plane because they were, you know, the NVA was everywhere at that point.
0: And he needed to uh, heal right away from injuries. I mean, he was sent to hospitals to deal with all kinds of uh, challenges from the get-go.
1: The story goes uh, he he was a forward observer. And he really didn't know he was going to be thrust into that role as basically infantry when he got there. And he was supporting basically an army of South Vietnamese troops to a large degree. So he wasn't even with American troops most of the time, Uh, which was my experience when I watched. I was not a forward observer, but I I knew many that were. And uh, that was my experience watching them and some of the tragic things that happened to them when when they were out in the field.
0: In your uh, on your website, you've got listings of uh, post traumatic shock disorder, um, the human cost of Vietnam War, um, and and we'll go into uh, perhaps the prisoners of war in the next segment because we're coming down. But um, tell me a little bit about the human cost of the Vietnam War.
1: Human cost: uh, fifty eight thousand American soldiers died. Three hundred and 40,000 or more were wounded, some very horrifically because of the type of wounds, a lot of amputations, far more amputations uh, and, and the type of wounds uh, because of mines and so forth than Korea, several hundred percent more. Uh, the intensity of the combat was such there were small numbers of combat troops in, 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 in the theater, so they were moved by helicopter to fight, so they were, they were fighting probably 200 days a year, which was many times higher than what, The G.I.s normally would have fought in World War II, most of them anyway.
0: One of the things that I found interesting about Bill is even though he was facing all of this horror, he's very contemplative. There was a kindness even through the anxiety of seeing this horrible thing occurring all around him. He was still trying to search for what does this mean and why are we doing this?
1: Well, I think he did, and he was becoming less and less, less and less, Less and less believable as far as the war was concerned, as he went through the the process.
0: Less um, supportive. Less supportive of the effort, which made it, I'm sure, even more difficult when he came back to help explain their own feelings of why are we here and why did we do this. Yes. Well, we're going to continue to talk about Bill's journey there, as well as get into what happened in World War II, where we have yet another storyline that that joins us. So you're listening to AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and we're talking about The Dark Side of the Sun by Michael D. Dardis. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to ConstructionAdvocates.com. That's ConstructionAdvocates.com.
2: Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to one. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your best quality of life. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com. AM 950 listeners, we have a home cleaning company with an offer just for you. They're Blue Sky Services. Blue Sky Services will wash your windows, siding, gutters, clean those black streaks off your roof, and much more. Window washing starts at $100. Siding cleaning starts at $199. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484 to ask for the AM 950 special. If you hear this, you have an exclusive house cleaning offer for AM 950 listeners. Call Blue Sky Services at 651-447-4484. That's 651-447-4484. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to EllieKrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more Please come and please tell others. See you then. Litton's Party Value has moved one mile north. Get into Litton's Party Value is easy.
0: Google 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Litton's Party Value's new location has the same great fun party holiday celebration supplies. Visit our Halloween section for your Halloween party and decorations and costumes too. Litton's Party Value has the selection, the quantities, and the low warehouse pricing you love. Visit our new location, 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Yes, free parking, or shop online, PartyValue.com.
2: Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be sunny with a high near 41, while tonight's clear with a low around 28. Tomorrow is sunny with a high near 55, Monday sunny with a high near 56, and Tuesday sunny with a high near 47. Liddon's Party Value has moved one mile north. Getting to Lydon's Party Value is easy. Just Google 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Shop their haunting Halloween and fabulous fall sections. And yes, free parking. Or shop online at partyvalue.com.
0: Radio Show. Today we are talking about a wonderful book that I absolutely adored and I think you will too. It's called The Dark Side of the Sun. It's written by Michael B. Dardis. Uh, Where there is love and courage, there is honor and hope. This book takes us on many adventures. We are in Minnesota. We are in Michigan. We are in Germany. We are in Vietnam. um, All with historical clarity and um, accuracy, and it takes us inside people's relationships and the relationship to the time and the place. Uh, and it's a detective. What's the, what, how are these all connected? And it's a page-turner, and it, it's one that I highly, highly recommend. And I'm delighted to have Michael D. Dardis be with us
1: today. Thank you again, Lori. Thank you for being here.
0: So we were talking about the Vietnam uh, aspect of the book, the storyline in Vietnam. You yourself uh, are a returning vet from Vietnam with a purple heart and commendation. Uh, tell me about, we, we start on the human cost of Vietnam War in terms of the Americans in Vietnam, but there was also other costs.
1: The cost of the Vietnamese was that about 13% of the entire Vietnamese population were killed during the war, which is about 4 million, over 4 million people. We tend to forget that. Our costs are horrific enough, but uh, what we did and what we left behind with Agent Orange and so forth was even worse.
0: As you were writing this, we talked a little bit about having to have you rewrite these certain sections several times. and And in doing so, you had to relive those experiences yourself. Do you see that the writing has helped with an overall healing so that you now can talk about the experience more than you could perhaps 10, 15 years ago?
1: I think it's allowed me to focus on it. Uh, When I was writing it, there was a great deal of pain uh, before I went over, when I was there, and anger when I came back. Uh, It took me many years before I met my wife to deal with that. Uh, And as I went back and wrote it and went back again and again and again, it was hard to do that, but I think now it's allowed me to... uh, put that behind me and move on. So I think in many ways it has been helpful.
0: And through the book, you also do have a lot of different relationships. And I, I want to be able to make sure that folks know that it's also you know, our, the human condition of, of falling in love and losing as well as um, being in the context of war.
1: Well, Bill certainly had his share of losses, and, and I did as well. I lost a girlfriend when I went over. And another one I came back. Uh, so it was a it was a lot of the emotion in there is my emotion uh, before and after and so forth, projected in the bill. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no question about that. The model I used for these for the officer was based upon three different forward observers that I that I knew in Vietnam. Uh, another one that I knew had been killed uh, in a tragic situation. So we had a lot of modeling that we could use for that. In my mind, at least.
0: Well, I sure appreciated that the women are all strong, <laughs> and the men <clears throat> are kind, even though they have gone through this horrific uh, experience. Um, there's a kindness to the men that you write about.
1: Well, I certainly, I think certainly with Bill, and I think with his father, uh, both had been uh, traumatized by such a degree that I. They valued what they had after they got out. Bill's father evaluated or valued his wife and his family uh, when he started his business in Detroit. Bill was happy eventually to become engaged and be married to his, uh, his wife, and he was appreciative of that, and he hung on tenaciously, even though he could have walked away because of problems that she had as well. And she's
0: also a Vietnam vet.
1: Vietnam vet. So they were fighting their own ghosts all the way through this, and they still are to some degree.
0: And speaking of ghosts, (laughs) we'll go to World War II. Uh, There's a whole strain of a storyline of what happened in Germany and, and the connection to airplanes and aviation. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, again, the family, uh, the, the brothers that went to Germany, were, were, were looking for jobs. And Nazi Germany gave them the opportunity to fly first for the commercial airline, Lufthansa, which was the predecessor for Lufthansa. At the time, it was the most advanced airline in the world. So they had a wonderful opportunity to fly there, and they did.
0: And there is, when you go to the, uh, Michael's website, which is uh, michaeldardis.com backslash books, um, you've got a section on Lufthansa, uh, the forerunner of the uh, the Lufthansa, but it's also I see you know the the German cross on there, so it looks like the Red Baron plane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a Lockwolf 200, and that was the plane they used to fly across the Atlantic. They, they established the first uh, transatlantic direct transatlantic connection with passenger aircraft from uh, Berlin to New York in 1938. They also established a transatlantic from uh, South Africa to Argentina. About the same time, so they were way ahead of the curve on that, and those aircraft were long-range uh, planes. They were used in World War II for scouting as well, but uh, they had—they were—that was their the, one of their principal four-engine aircraft.
0: What I also enjoyed learning uh, more about as we've had our discussion is about um, the German-American Bund and how prevalent that was. Uh, I guess I knew that there was uh, a disheartenant disheartenment of. Uh, of after World War II, Germany being completely decimated. But tell me more about, about the Germans here in America. The
1: Germans were isolated during, after war, during World War I, treated very poorly, uh, not allowed to speak their own language, not allowed to gather. Uh, more than four Germans could not meet together. Particularly in Minnesota, that was true. People were spying on them, uh, and they, really, it got, they pushed them into the background. So they developed a lot of their own cultural activities. And part of it was this appreciation as Nazi Germany started to come online. uh, And the Depression was a full blast in the United States. The Germans seemed to have the answer, an answer to the trauma that was happening in the United States. So more and more of the appeal uh, and the Nazi appeal started to be coming forward. The German-American basically is the American Nazi party. And at one time, they had 22,000 members in Madison Square Garden for a meeting. And they had a 30-foot picture of George Washington Uh, In front of the group, and they were treating him as America's first Nazi.
0: You talk well as you're reading this. There's almost a discomfort because you can feel the seduction of the Nazi Germany. Um, Perhaps you can share part of your reading, um, a a reading from your book about that period, because there's there's something very prevalent right now that I think that we need to be looking at in the seduction of. Uh, Almost uh, superiority, and what does that? How does that evolve into our a reality around us?
1: uh, This is a reading from a section with the wife of one of the brothers who has now joined the German Air Force, a Luftwaffe, and is now a rising Nazi Party member, and her realization of what she, where Germany has finally become, what they become. Uh, Greta took a breath. Elsa could see in her eyes. Her eyes glistened lightly with tears as she remembered those happier days. Greta had been an operatic singer and a ballerina. Shortly after the production ended last month, Greta says, I returned home to Germany to be with Georgia again. We are always happy together, but the Gestapo must have watched us for some time. No doubt because of complaints from some of the local party members. When I returned, they arrested us both The Gestapo beat us. They called us lesbians. They smashed everything in the room upstairs before they took us into custody. They tortured me, broke my arm, cut my hair, and raped me. Elsa wrapped her arms around Greta's shoulder and grazed towards the window in shock. How could anyone treat another human being this way? She could think of nothing she could say to comfort her friend.
0: The contrast of... Earlier In your story about the parties that they would host, that her husband, before he was her husband, would have artists and musicians and dancers and and what joy there was. But you see Fritz's um, distancing from the artists and then to have his wife come back and discover that all of their good friends that they once partied with, hosted in their home, um, are now... uh, being beaten, sent away, uh, and are are being destroyed.
1: Her, basically, Greta was the uh, was a uh, a graduate of the Prussian uh, Academy of of Arts, and she was a piano a pianist. So she was a very well established artist, and she had sculptors and painters and so forth that were basically her life. And those people all disappeared, and she was. That was she was protected and basically looked the other way because she was married to them, and she also had some children from him and she didn 't realize until some time later where this where the country had gone.
0: I particularly liked when um, she went back to her old um neighborhood, and when she left her neighborhood, the neighborhood was thriving and uh, coffee shops. And then as she returned, they were boarded up. And how, by turning away just slightly for a few years, how a whole world changed.
1: I have a section in the the book on that. Uh, The closer she got to home, the the angrier she became. With her eyes thus truly open, she realized that the shops around the corner had all been sterilized of their vitality, the vitality she had loved in the past. She was ashamed to admit she had been too busy to notice how "quote unquote" city improvements had replaced playbills with Nazi propaganda posters on windows and street corners. She had been living in a vacuum, attending political parties with Fritz, her husband, as he promoted her as he was promoted through the Nazi culture. She had been raising her boys in this vacuum.
0: Tell me about. Um that realization that Elsie went through. What did you see emerge from her character at that point?
1: I think that what she realized, that she could no longer uh, tolerate the fact that her sons could be brought up in the Nazi youth movement, and she would uh, challenge her husband if he knew that she wanted to make sure that, did he know what was happening? If he did, she was done with him. Mm-hmm. And he, she did confront him. Uh, he slapped her, and he left and she left him, and he never saw her again.
0: When Elsie marches out, there's great strength, and again, another good example of the strong women that that you capture in this uh, in this novel.
1: But you, she paid a price because the Gestapo then arrested and killed her parents,
0: which was a heartbreak. You you get into the family relationships, which I think um, there's many times where. The discussions are happening over your dinner tables (laughs) or out on a date. You pick up on the nuance of the moment and the place, which I think is very engaging and very intriguing. It, it, when you're reading this book, it goes so quickly, you know, the time. All of a sudden, it's two hours later, and I've, I've read 10 chapters. Yay. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. Uh, we're coming down to the end of this third segment. Uh, for folks who's just tuned, tuned in and want to know more about this book, it's called The Dark Side of the Sun. It's by Michael B. Dardis. You can buy this book. Uh, I would encourage you buying the book and then buying it for friends and family for Christmas. It's a great Christmas gift. Books are always wonderful. Uh, And to go to that website, the website is uh, uh, michaeldardis.com backslash books. So, and that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-D-A-R-D-I-S dot com backslash books. But if you look up Michael Dardis, it'll come
1: up on Google pretty quick. Um, com, it'll come right up. Yeah. So,
0: stay with us. We've got one more segment where we'll be talking about the dark side of the sun. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to ConstructionAdvocates.com. That's ConstructionAdvocates.com.
2: Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis.
0: Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals.
2: And report national Native news with reporters all around the country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake.
0: Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook.
2: Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. You know I purchased my vehicles with Rudy Luther because I love my Toyota Sienna. But it's the extra things which make me a loyal Rudy Luther customer. A great example, the Luther Advantage Card. With every new and used vehicle purchase, you get three years of 10 cents off per gallon of gas at Holiday Station Stores and $5 off the works car washes. The Luther Advantage Card keeps you happy in your Rudy Luther vehicle. Find out more today at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trust's Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available.
0: Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And today we have been exploring The Dark Side of the Sun. It is a historical uh, fiction novel written by Michael B. Dardis. And we have Michael sharing more background and insight to the book, which is a great thrill to me because I absolutely adored reading this book. And it's been fun to learn um, the process in writing historical fiction and then where that historical fiction can take us in terms of an adventure Uh Learning about things about our country, learning about the Vietnam War, learning about World War II, learning about airplanes. Uh, It is a book that you need to read and you need to give this as a holiday gift. (laughs) In our last section here, we've talked about uh, Bill early on in life uh, having lost his parents and his siblings in an airplane crash. Uh, We then journey with him to Vietnam. And his experience there. Uh, we then have some flashes over to Germany in World War II and their relationship to airplanes and aviation that sort of links the whole big what I call crossword narrative <laughs> together in terms of uh, how are all these connected. But in, I, I, in this section, the, this segment of the show, I'd like to talk about the journey home. And once uh, Bill was home, he, he married a nurse Uh, and she had her own struggles. Susan um, worked at the VA hospital and here in Minneapolis, so there's some resonance here for folks who who know the VA hospital. My father uh, was treated at the VA hospital, so I had my own journey of memories going back uh, to the VA hospital. It was a tough time. Tell me about Susan, Michael. Well,
1: Susan (coughs) grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin near Madison, uh, went to Vietnam, served as a MASH nurse during the worst possible time of the, of the Vietnam War. Uh, so badly, so many people came in, soldiers came in that she couldn't even treat. That she had to watch them die, she couldn't really help them. They were coming in because of the, the, the Tet Offensive. And that did something to her mentally that really drove her back into kind of into a shell. She also lost a fiance at that point. Uh, she wasn't sure whether he had been killed or not. He had been a fighter pilot, been shot down over North Vietnam. It wasn't until she came back and her future husband found out that he actually was a POW and let her know that. So they moved on together. Uh, eventually they became engaged and they married. And then Susan went to work. Uh actually, Bill was being rehabbed down at Fort Sam Houston because he was uh, he had multiple wounds, leg wounds from the war. And they met down there again. They had, She had treated him in Vietnam on two or three occasions where he was wounded many times. And uh, they hooked up and uh, they went on and they became uh, engaged and, and married and, and uh, moved to the Twin Cities. And she worked at, right at the VA.
0: Susan had her demons,
1: though. She had her demons. Uh, Men had treated her very badly. They used her for sex. Uh, she had uh, her orientation was really affected. Uh, she was using that in place of love. She was uh, she was treating men as callously as she was being treated herself. And Bill was much more reserved with her. Didn't push her. And eventually, was able to bring her back towards where she had been before she went over. And plus, her family loved him. Uh, reminded him so much. They just loved him because of his, his nature and his. Uh, I,
0: I have to say, Bill, wherever he goes, guys just sort of take him under their wing and, and feel like he's a son. I mean, and, <laughs> and you kind of agree like, yeah, this guy's a really kind guy. He would be someone that, that you would want to, to mentor and be connected to.
1: Yeah, he, was, he had no, you know, having nothing, he appreciated everything. And he appreciated people who cared for him because he'd lost so many people in his life. Uh, and having uh, her family care for him, feed him, talk to him, and be part of again was like a, a, really a joy for him. And
0: it tapped into a, a memory of his own, too, being back yes. at a farm, a dairy farm, and, and eating food from the garden you know, that, that, um, that he had once weeded <laughs> when he was a kid. <laughs> he knows what it takes to harvest from a garden.
1: He does, and uh, I, he really appreciated that, and I think that helped all of them uh, go on together.
0: Do you want to share a little bit from your book, We Have Some Time, uh, about an issue with Susan? And, and I love that it's at the Thunderbird Hotel. For those of you that remember the Bloomington Thunderbird Hotel, uh, it does come to life uh, in, in this novel.
1: Well, Susan initially started at the VA because uh, she wanted to work with her guys, with, uh, with wounded veterans. But she didn't realize how tough that was going to be So when she was dealing with veterans from World War II in Korea who she couldn't help. All she could do was do very little things for them. And, and they were very, in many cases, very angry with her, uh, frustrated with her. And at some point, that started to wear on her and she started resolving you know, going towards drinking and even taking some barbiturates to stay, uh, to make her do more, allow her to do more work. And that started to undermine the relationship she had with her husband. Because he was busy trying to keep his business alive. It had just been, he had just taken it back over from an uncle that had taken it from him. And so they had this separation that was going on. She believed that he loved his business more than she loved him. And, and he loved her, I should say. So this went on until finally uh, this happened. This is Bill's coming back after confronting a man that was with his wife at the Thunderbird Hotel. And he didn't know really why he was with her, whether she was a lover, whether she was trying to attack her or what. But he beat the crap out of him, actually. (laughs) You
0: kind of cheer him on
1: (laughs) as a raider. You go, Bell. (laughs) By the way, that actually was based upon a real story that I heard, but I won't tell you about for whom. Uh, This is what happened. He pulls into the garage and he sat there. He felt helpless as he had the day his family died. As lost as he had been the day Sarah left him. Sarah had been engaged to him earlier. Suddenly rage again overtook him. He smashed his fist into the garage wall, creating a 12-inch hole in the sheetrock. The nails in the wall ripped his skin, drying blood. But the impact and pain only increased his rage. Next he stumbled over the heavy boxing bag hanging from the garage rafters over and over, faster and faster, he pounded the bag, barehanded with both fists. His arms, forearms, and elbows screamed in pain. His hands bled profusely, profusely now. Finally exhausted, he wrapped his arms around the bag and cried as they swayed in the dim garage light. He was glad his in-laws were sleeping upstairs. He didn't want them to see him like this. He held his hands in front of him as though they belonged to someone else at least two fingers on his left hand, appear to be broken.
0: To me, that symbolizes the, the toughest part that Bill came to realize, it, sort of apexed at that moment. All of the pain, all of the separation, all of the loss, and that search for self. It is a wonderful book. I want you all to go out and buy The Dark Side of the Sun. You can do that by going to michaeldardis.com. November 13th, you will be at now then no uh,
1: Tavern 4 Tavern 4-5. Ta-
0: Tavern 4 5 in Eden Prairie in Eden Prairie uh, ghost excellent you'll see it on MichaelDartis.com. also buy books uh, buy it from a, 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 a small business Itasca Books give us the phone number 1-800
1: 901 3480 extension 118
0: and if you missed that listen to our podcast it's at the end so thank you for being with us today. Go by the dark side of the sun. Thank you, Lord.